You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry, and art from around the world. kingsplace.co.uk Hello and welcome to the King's Place podcast. This is a new monthly podcast full of all the latest news, information and exclusive interviews highlighting the upcoming events at King's Place. So on this edition, we talk to William Norris and Alison Berry from the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment about the upcoming series Beethoven with Guts. We take a look at the Darbar Festival, a celebration of Indian classical music, and we learn the best way to laugh your worries away at our Thursday night comedy strand, Off With Their Heads. But first, we caught up on the phone with Northumbrian folk legend Catherine Tickell, who is creating a week of concerts celebrating the folk music of the north of England. Uh, I'm Catherine Tickell. I'm a musician, composer, and also the artistic director of Folkworks, uh, which is the northeast regional development agency for folk music. And we've put together a series of for concerts for King's Place, which I'm really looking forward to. And firstly, can you tell me a little bit more about the pipes, uh, one of the main instruments that you play? The pipes that I play officially are called the Northumbrian small pipes, but, you know, we just call them the Northumbrian pipes or the pipes. But they are a type of bagpipe, but they're very, very different to the Scottish bagpipes, for example, which is, you know, the type of pipes that most people are most uh, more familiar with. Uh, the Northumbrian pipes are bellows blown, so that you don't actually blow into them physically. Um, there's a set of bellows that goes under your right elbow, which is just like the sort of bellows that blacksmiths or whatever would use. The sort of bellows you'd use for kind of blowing the fire in the old days. And they're also they're kind of a parlour instrument. They're a, a very quiet um, indoor instrument, which you know is, is obviously very different to the to the big the big Scottish war pipes. And how did you? Um... And when you were younger, how did you come to learn this in the first place? For me, it, it's, it was a very natural thing to play Northumbrian pipes. I think for other people to think, how on earth did you find that instrument? You know, But for me, it, I was brought up hearing the sort of music. And there's people in my family, not in my uh, very close family, but people in the extended family that play the pipes. And throughout the whole of my family, there's an interest in traditional music and particularly traditional music of Northumberland and the borders. My dad sings all that, you know, all the the songs of the border ballads and the border battles and songs, you know, loads of songs that are of particular interest to farmers and shepherds in Northumberland. It's a kind of, it's a niche market, I think, but that that's his interest. And then my mum plays the concertina and she's from a very, very traditional background, very... Um, I mean, my mum's family have been in the same valley for at least 500 years. You know, I think I've been very, very lucky to have been brought up with that. It's something that traditional musicians used to kind of, that was that was part of the deal. But for musicians of my generation, there's very little of that left. And I'm, I've been very lucky to experience it. And, and is it hard to remember all, 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 all these melodies in your head? Well, I'm, I'm certainly trying to hold on to the music because the music is, is fantastic and it's worth having, you know, that, that traditional music. The traditional ways of learning are possibly not so easy to. So for other people, 
there's they have to find other ways of getting into this music um and which is where Folkworks comes in actually because there's Folkworks isn't an organization that's been going for over 20 years now and they have summer schools absolutely fantastic summer schools in durham every year for they have a junior one now but it's up to the age of 14 and then they have the youth one 14 to 25 year old and then the adult one and it's just amazing absolutely amazing and that's one place where people go to learn this sort of music now uh, well there's actually several courses now in this but Folkworks in association with Newcastle University set up the first one in England and that's the traditional folk and traditional music degree course at Newcastle University and actually we have a few of the graduates from that course playing down at King's Place on the 9th of April a fantastic band called The She and they are you know really really worth going to see not because they're graduates of the first folk degree course in England but because they are absolutely brilliant so you know I'm, that's a great advert for folk works but it's also a great advert just for traditional music and for themselves Do you think with folk music, it's it's all about the melodies? The melodies are, I think that's that's something that's really strong. And I find that you know I do a lot of, of composing as well and working with composers from other disciplines. And I think because until fairly recently, traditional music was always kind of single single line melody instruments. You know, there wasn't very much in the way of accompaniment. So for a tune to survive over 300 years, to be played on solo flute or violin or muffin green pipes or whatever, with no accompaniment, no harmonies, no chords, no arrangement, that tune really has to be something special. Um, and over the course of 300 years, some of these tunes, they, they get, you know, anything extraneous is taken away and all you're left with is the absolute heart and soul of that tune there's nothing there that doesn't need to be there and so yes of course the melodies are fantastic as well as you know playing with the the old tunes as well and i think that's that's part of the tradition we all we all feel that we're part an ongoing part of a tra- of a very strong and living tradition it's not something that's set in stone and gathering dust in a shelf in a library somewhere it's something that's part of people's lives and is is continuing. And do you have a few highlights you're looking forward to from, from your week? The concerts that Faultworks has put together for King's Place, there's similar themes running through them, but they probably from the outside they look very different. You've got a night of young girls who all sing and play the fiddle, and you've got a night of older blokes who all sing about quite a lot about the pits and you know the, the heavy industry of the North East. And that might look quite different from the outside, but actually... It's not, the, they're all people who are part of the tradition. And the, the one on the eighth, which is the Pittman Poets kind of thing, I put that together because I was thinking about the, the play that Lee Hall wrote, um, who's a, again, is actually, he's a, a Northeast playwright who learnt to play the fiddle. 
um, like I did. In fact, at the same in the same place at the same time. And he wrote a play about these Pittman painters in Ashington and wherever. That is as as people have really taken to their heart. But there's also, as well as their painting, there's all these songs about the pits, and they're really really strong. And they, particularly in the the wake of the the kind of the the dying of the coal industry in in the northeast and elsewhere, it's kind of a historical thing as well. And then on the 10th of April, you've got the fiddle singers, which are the you know younger generation of of folk music in Britain. Uh, Eliza Carthy, who most people will will know very well, fantastic singer, and again from a very strong tr- family tradition, a great fiddle player, um, really strong personality, strong character. Bella Hardy, who's you know is, has an incredible purity to what she does. Again, young young girl who's playing fiddle and singing, and then there's a, a duo that people might not be so, so familiar with. Again, graduates of the folk degree course, Kate Young and Lucy Farrell, and they're quite unusual, um, very exciting, quite out there. But um, and and the whole point of that concert as well is not just to have these these musicians playing in isolation, but to see what they do when they spend a bit of time together as well. So to get a little bit of interaction going and see what happens between all of them. So, and that's the whole point about traditional music and folk music, I think, is that we can, we're very good at just getting together and finding common ground, finding common repertoire, putting together arrangements on the spot and, and making the most of the moment and of the interaction and the communication. Catherine Tickell there talking on the phone about her week-long series Folkworks from the North uh, which begins on Wednesday the 7th of April. The Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment returned to the King's Place Concert Hall uh, from Thursday the 15th of April with a series of concerts focusing on Beethoven, a composer at the heart of the orchestra's repertoire. Over the week there are performances of his chamber music, a recital from special guest Robert Levin, plus a host of other events including a Tots concert, a dance class and a film screening. We caught up with William Norris, the marketing director of the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment, and the orchestra are not just performing at King's Place, but have their office in the building itself. Yes, yeah, it's fantastic to be in a, a place which is so kind of buzzing and alive and you come in the morning and there's always something different going on, um, whether it's a conference or a, a kid's concert when there's hundreds of children milling around. But um, it's great to be in a place which is so alive. And what's it like playing in, in such a, a new venue? Yeah, it was it was very exciting because it was the um, for the players to be playing in a in a brand new venue is quite a rare um, occurrence. So uh, kind of it was always slightly nerve wracking as well testing out the acoustic for the first time. But um, they uh, they kind of fell in love with it straight away, especially the acoustic in Hall One, which they, they absolutely love. So your upcoming week at King's Place is all about Beethoven. Yeah, and it kind of ties into can we, we're having a bit of a Beethoven year really because we've got the Beethoven symphonies going on over at the South Bank Centre. So um. We thought it would be interesting to uh, to kind of do the, another side of Beethoven at King's Place, the kind of smaller scale stuff. So it's mostly um, mostly Beethoven's shaping music with a few other things mixed in as well. And you've named it Beethoven with guts. Title of it was um, result of an office brainstorm, and um, we thought it kind of it kind of 
encapsulates both the orchestra's style. You know, we can try and play things in a, in a kind of it's got like has got guts, yeah. So it's got that kind of energy and vitality to it. But also, obviously, because we're a pre-instrument orchestra, we play on gut strings, and that gives a different sound. So there's two sides to it. And and I believe you have a special guest as part of this week. Yeah, Robert Robert Levin's joining us for the week. He's going to be doing a solo recital, and also he's um, joining us for one of the chamber concerts. And he's just such a fantastic uh, pianist and scholar and speaker. And he's we've worked with him for several years. And um, his events with us are always really special. He's just got a great energy and um, audiences love him as well. And some highlights of, of the week? Yeah, so tie, tying into the kind of not all orchestras are the same theme, really. So uh, on the, the Thursday and Friday after the uh, second concert finishes, we've got an after show uh, in the foyer, which is just a, a short free performance um, in the bar. And then um, on the Friday, there's a chance to play with the OE at l- in, your, in your lunch hour. So if you're an amateur musician, you can come and be conducted by a young conductor. And there's a uh, various various uh, talks. And then uh, on Saturday, we've got a couple of interesting events. We've got a concert for uh, toddlers, so under fives, and, and a chance to dance to Beethoven's music as well in the afternoon. And is Beethoven um, a, a great composer? Yeah, well, it's, it's tough. I, I think... Um, I think the biggest problem is that we think we know him, and actually, um, every time I, I hear his music, I'm always surprised about you know how daring it is and how radical it is, and um, and I think an orchestra like the Area can really bring that that kind of revolutionary nature of it out. <laughs> To gain the player's perspective, I caught up with Alison Berry on the telephone to find out her thoughts on the music of Beethoven. He's such a great composer, such huge figure, and, and so central to our repertoire. And were the instruments of Beethoven's time very, very different from today's? They're slightly different. Um, it varies depending what instruments you, you're playing. I, I would say the wind and brass are more different from the modern instruments than the stringed instruments are. The stringed instruments, are they're beginning to become modernized. So maybe they're halfway between what, what we would say was a Baroque setup and a modern setup. I'm playing on a, a violin that was made in London in the 1780s, probably mid-1780s. So slightly early for Beethoven, but it is in that kind of classical setup. They were, they were sort of modifying the instruments to make them able to play this uh, this more demanding music. But I think when you play Beethoven on original instruments, and I think this is one thing that makes it potentially very exciting when an orchestra like OAE plays Beethoven, is that you get the feeling that Beethoven was absolutely pushing at the boundaries, that he's straining the instruments as far as they can go. You know, when you hear natural horns playing a Beethoven symphony, they're just, it's sort of feeling they're on the edge and when that works it's thrilling it's so exciting when i hear a modern orchestra it always has absolutely marvelous but it, it's sort of like a rolls royce it it sounds almost too smooth and easy and i think with us you hear the kind of paradoxical surgery you sort of hear the difficulty in the music you hear the fact that the gut strings can just sort of barely manage um 
get the sound out that he wants. And I think it can have a very, that can have a very exciting effect. <laughs> This is the King's Place podcast. The Darbar Festival takes place this year at King's Place. Four days of stunning improvisational music and premieres of unique concerts where you'll hear the meeting of Western and Eastern classical traditions. The festival will run throughout the days with lots of extra music and activities available including some mini concerts, free workshops and film screenings. Soprano Patricia Rosario talks about the festival. Whenever I've heard um, pieces done in this sort of um, style where a crossover style I've always felt that um, one or the other of the traditions is sacrificed and I think what one needs to do is create a new composition which uses the traditions of the West and the East and that's why you need a composer who can put these ideas together and, and create something, so, so merge them in a sense, and then you get something new. And Simon Broughton, editor of Songlines. For me, Indian music is about an acoustic, a, an acoustic sound. And this, this wood, this very rich reverberation here, um, I think will will really lend itself to to um, a lot of the Indian vocals and and string instruments. What I've always been impressed with about the festival is is that actually it it introduces me to new artists. I've always felt with with Indian music there's there's a number of big stars. I mean people like Ravi Shankar who who everyone's heard of and and you know. The names keep coming back and back. Um, and what I've really enjoyed about Darbar is they have some big names. I mean, this year they're, they're having Shiv Kumar Sharma, um, one of the other big names. But, but there's lots of other artists who are also fantastic, who are not the names that everybody knows. And so you, you discover new people, new instruments, and, and yet you know it's going to be high quality. Um, you know, I'd say the standard is always is always very, very high. Audio taken there from Sky Arts at Darbar Festival documentary. The Darbar Festival runs from Monday the 29th of March to Sunday the 4th of April. Lastly, on this edition of the podcast, every Thursday night, King's Place packs Hall 2 with some of the best established and up-and-coming comedians for Off With Their Heads. We caught up with Zoe and Tom just before the night was about to begin to find out what makes them and the audience laugh. Hi, I'm Zoe. I'm Operations Manager at King's Place. Hi, I'm Tom Deacon. I'm one of the many regular MCs here. So, um, so we'll, we'll chat to people, people who've just come in. Welcome. We, we've always said something about ourselves. Play it, play it, play along. This man's never been on a bus and he's never high-fived. You, sir, in the red, have you ever high-fived before? Okay, this is um, Off With Their Heads, which is uh, our new-ish comedy strand. We started in November. And uh, every week on a Thursday at 8 o'clock, we have three comedians performing. We have a headliner and a support and one of our fantastic regular MCs. And it's just a really good fun night. Well, uh, I really enjoy performing at King's Place because um, I'm obviously a regular MC, but I normally open and headline at other venues and um, it's quite nice to chat to the the audience here because they're half of them are quite posh and half of them are quite 
thick, but in a but a, no, in, I mean that sounds bad. No, they're um a bit more up for it, a bit more raucous. They'll happily say the wrong thing, and then I'll pick up on it as the MC and have a little joke about it. And then the posh people say, "No, there's no one else you can talk to." And uh, when I think it's just remarkable, and um and then some of the jokes I have are quite can be quite rude, and then the posh people don't like that. But then occasionally. I have a little mini celebration in my head when I see a posh person really giggle at something rude I've said. Um, so yeah, I, I love it because I never know what the audience are going to be like and it that just keeps you on your toes as a, as a comic. I met my girlfriend's um, dad for the first time uh, recently last week, right? So I went to touch, right? How non-cool is that? I've gone to touch a man who I potentially, like, I've gone like that, he didn't know what to do. He just grabbed my fist and then began to shake my arm. Um, well, I think this all started because back last year, we sort of had a, a bit of time in July and we were looking at what we might do with it. And uh, we thought it'd be fun to try some Edinburgh previews and see how that worked. Um, they were incredibly successful, I think much more than we ever sort of hoped they'd be. So we saw that there was um, an audience for comedy here, which was really nice. So what we're hoping to sort of, when we set up the comedy nights was to um, find that audience again, um, also, find with, who are within our existing audience are comedy fans because I don't think liking classical music or liking world or jazz is necessarily mutually exclusive with liking to have a laugh as well. I, I found it quite odd um, waiting in the dressing room um, having a lot of <laughs> orchestra people out in the background sort of and I'm there going oh, I can't that's a joke in itself but like and it's I wish I could just bring them out uh, one by one and then we had an xylophone I mean I'm not talking your average bog standard one there was a massive one at the back and I started playing it with a fellow comic called Chris Ramsey and uh, the guy came around and said stop doing that and uh, we just sorry I mean I just wanted to say how amazing it is you've got all these musical instruments that we're not allowed to touch and, and it just inspires me before I go on stage I have to say um, God, what's been a real highlight? It was really nice a couple of weeks ago because, as I said, it's, it's sort of been nice to offer something different to our existing audience and maybe find a new audience. Uh, Nick Mohammed, who's a character comedian, um, was here two weeks ago and he finished um, his headlining set with a sort of fantastic pastiche of a conductor, which just everyone was just rolling around. It really worked. It was really nice when we have that crossover with music and comedy. And we've had quite a few acts that have combined those two things and that's something we really want to continue with. I, I don't have anything uh, to offer the audience that's new or unique. I just like to come on and, and have a little chin wag. I mean, Nick's very good. I wasn't there that night. I, I'd like to stress for, on the record. Um, but uh, <laughs> but no, I think one of my highlights of definitely performing was um, a guy took off his scarf. Um, um, that is a, that is a laughing of recognition uh, there. Um, for no apparent reason, I, I decided that this was going to be the show. Uh, the show couldn't start and took he, until he took his tie off. He, was, he took the tie off and then I was like, no, we're going to make this a big thing. Um, so he, got, he almost got on stage. He was that going for it. And um, he took the tie off. And I think at that point we knew this was going to be a comedy gold night. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, some of the highlights are just the audience that come in and, and, and make it that extra special that you don't forget it, you know. It, it's not, it's what? I didn't get all of that. The um, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only messing. I'm jesting. I'm jesting. It's been really fantastic, actually, because um, when we did the previews, we got a great response from people, and that was, it was kind of a different thing, though, because you're coming in, you're doing your full hour, you know exactly what you're doing. Um, I wasn't sure um, exactly how it was work. I was confident that it would work, um, but pretty much every single comedian who's come in, all they say after the show is what a fantastic time they've had, how much they've loved the audience, how much they love the venue, how it's really nice to play somewhere that's a bit different. Um, and the atmosphere, I think, is just getting better and better every week.
and you get a free drink as well um just one but you know and i, I enjoy that I, I know i look forward to that actually there's a there's an area upstairs we can get a, a fresh orange juice so that's i don't have to stock up the fridge with tropicana um before i come to the gig so that's that's nice um but that's not the main reason i, I like this gig coming up in the next few weeks um Pappy's, formerly Pappy's Fun Club, are coming to do um, sketches, which is great because that's not something we've had before, um, several people doing a sketch show. Um, Sarah Millican's headlining at the end of April, so that's really exciting. Just generally, it's a fantastic programme going right up until June and then back into Edinburgh previews again in July. I, I often look at the lineup um, when I'm not on, and I say to myself, oh, "I wish I was emceeing that one. That would be fantastic." <laughs> and uh, it's it's not the lineups I've been given because obviously it alternates between the MCs. Um, so I do this venue once a month, and I, I honestly look forward to it every every time I do it. But that, there's some fantastic lineups I know. I'm just looking looking around. I know Campbell was 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 been on, but I, I was thinking oh, I really want to be there that night to the point where I'm actually considering coming down as a punter just to watch watch the gigs. Well, we had Craig Campbell last week, and he was. Brilliant. I mean, it was just, he absolutely stormed it. And he's coming back, so one for the diaries. I should also mention, because they'll kill me if they don't, our other regular compares, uh, Ed Gamble and Ray Peacock and Jimmy McGee, who are also all brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're lovely off stage, on stage, you know. You know, I've, I've seen a few people demand money, but no, they haven't. They haven't at all. No, they're, they're fantastic. I think it, it, it actually helps as a venue, as a comedy gig. I know that if you have the same regular MC, you build up a little bit of a rapport, but then they've got to you know it's nice when the other i mean the other mcs like jimmy and, and ed will be trying new material out all the time and so it's something fresh from us every every week is is uh, if i was a punter i'd be excited about and um what do you find makes you laugh you answer first tom You're i think i think so um i don't laugh at many things actually um i think that's a sign of i'm getting getting older i don't really laugh at too much but the things that really do make me laugh are when I'm having a chat with my mates and then they'll come up with something and they'll explain a story and it's a rubbish story but it's funny because it's rubbish and then I'm there criticising it and that's boring, why have I wasted my time? And then you end up having a good laugh and that's, for emceeing, what I love is, is having little conversations with the audience, I'm looking for those nuggets. Um, and uh, falling over, people falling over is, is a big one actually but it's hard to recreate on stage. And finally, is there a sense of forgetting your worries and cares with, the, with these events? Absolutely. Um, I've been to every single one since we started in November. I come every Thursday. I don't have to. I come because I genuinely love this night and I look forward to it, you know, so much. And, you know, I'll work through till, you know, seven o'clock and then unwind for a bit and then come to the show. And it's just it's my favourite night of the week. It's absolutely great. Zoe and Tom there talking about Off With Their Heads, which takes place in Hall 2 every Thursday night at 8pm. You've been listening to the King's Place podcast. Please visit our website, kingsplace.co.uk, for more information about any of the events you've heard about and to book tickets. Tickets for all events are available from as little as £9.50 online. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the King's Place podcast. Presenting music, comedy, spoken word, poetry and art from around the world kingsplace.co.uk